We're in Acts chapter 15 today. We opened last time where some Jewish believers left um, Jerusalem, traveled 300 miles to Antioch, and told the believers in Antioch, the Gentile believers in Antioch, you had to be circumcised and you have to obey the law of Moses to be saved. And needless to say, that probably was a little shocking to the Gentiles. But Paul and Barnabas said, hold on. No, there's no such thing. You don't have to do that. This is wrong. And they had a contention with them. And so they decided to send them back to, Paul and Barnabas, back to Jerusalem to find out what the apostles thought, what the council thought. And so they did. They sent them back. They went and discussed it. They had a council. And they got into a tizzy about it. But at the end of it, they all agreed. This is what needs to be done. We, we agree that this is what God wants from the Gentiles. And now they're going to send them back to Antioch with the message of what everyone has agreed to. We, as believers, have the Holy Spirit living within in us. And so when we pray about something, dwell on it, what is it, God, you want done? As we focus on what God wants done, the Holy Spirit speaks to each of us and then we find that we are in agreement of what God wants done. We are all in one accord in what God wants to accomplish and then we move forward in that. If we can't be in one accord, then maybe we have to pause and wait until we hear from God to tell us what he wants to do through the Holy Spirit. And then we search the scriptures to find answers to our questions here in the scriptures. And quite often people make decisions without prayer, without seeking the scriptures, and they just make decisions. And then after they make decisions, they're not happy with the results of what takes place. And they're like, God, why did you let me down? And God's like, why didn't you talk to me? Why didn't you ask me, you know, the best thing to do? You just made the decision. You bought the Lamborghini. You needed an escort, you know, and you bought the wrong car, you know, and, and besides that, now you're going to have six kids. Now what are you going to do with that Lamborghini? You know, and we tend to do things without thinking ahead, and so we need to do that. But today's message is titled, Good News for the Gentiles, and we're going to pick up in verse 22, where it says, Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church 
to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And so Paul and Silas went to Jerusalem. They all came to the council and conclusion of what the council said. And now they say, you know what? We're going to send them back and we're going to send Barsabbas and Silas with them. These are leading men. You wonder who said they were leading men. How do we know that they're leading men? How, How do people stand out in the church as leading men or women? In the church. And here's how I believe we come to that conclusion. It's when someone follows the will of God in the church. And when they're sensitive to the will of God. And they see, you know what? God is leading me to do this. And they do it. uh, You know, it may be something as simple as oh, you know what, there's a mess over here, I'm going to go clean it up. Or there's a person over there, I can see that their countenance is really down. Let me go over there and greet them and, you know, and pray for them. Or just fellowship with them. Sometimes we want to pray for people to try to solve their problems. Sometimes it's better just to listen to them. And that takes a burden off of them. You don't always have to solve problems. If you're married, you know this. Because you can't always solve the problems of of your spouse. But listening to them is good. It's a good start. Men, we like to solve problems. Right? And I'm not saying, women, you like to cause problems. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. All right, let me get back in the Bible before I get in trouble here. Verse 23, they wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren. Now, whenever they wrote letters, they started out writing who it's from. We always put the name of who it's from at the end. They put it right at the beginning. The apostles, the elders, and the brethren to the brethren who are in uh, who are the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings, since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you, our beloved uh, Barnabas and Paul, Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, Antioch already knew that. They, that's where Paul and Barnabas sent out their first missionary journey. They had already heard Paul got stoned uh, outside of Lystra and, and they tried to kill him. And then, you know, or was it Iconium? And then he comes back into Antioch and they told him all of these things. So they know this already. We have therefore, <coughs> excuse me, sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same thing by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, key thing, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. It starts with the Holy Spirit 
it seemed good. It, it wasn't, oh, it seemed good to these guys and then the Holy Spirit came on board. No, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. That you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. Farewell. So here they write to the church in Antioch and to all the Gentile churches actually. This letter is going to be sent around to other churches so that wherever there are Gentiles in the church, they're going to receive this message. And, you know, they're telling them, look, these are the things that you need to be doing. You don't have to worry about circumcision. You don't have to be worried about the law of Moses. What you need to worry about, though, is the eating food from idols. And that's something that, you know, we don't think about when we eat food. You know, was it offered to an idol? You know, we don't think about that these days. But you know what? There are countries that they still have that problem in where there is still food being offered to idols that are actually being sold in markets. And, you know, so it's a concern for them. But Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, talks all about this. He elaborates more on this. And he says, uh, look, if you're going to the market and buying food, don't ask if it was offered to idols. You know, just buy it and eat it and, and pray over it. If you pray over it, you know, you're good to go. Uh, but don't also go to someone's house that tells you that they're, you know, serving food that was offered to an idol and then partake. Don't do it. It's going to stumble someone else. Uh, you know, so um, Paul already covered all, well, covers all of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. But here, they're just giving them the basics. These are the ground level rules for Gentiles in the church. You know, the things strangled and, and the blood, it, it all is a little foreign to us, but it's all about draining the blood because the life of the flesh is in the blood. So we need to drain that out. And, you know, we know that's in Levitical law. That was Leviticus 17.11 through 14 that explains how to handle blood and, and animals. But that was already given, that law was given by God to Noah in Genesis chapter 9. Before there was an Israel, before there were Jews in Genesis chapter 9 verse 3, God says, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. That means every moving thing that lives. If you want to go eat a grasshopper, go right ahead. John did and he enjoyed it, but everything that moves was okay to be food. I have given you all things even as the green herbs. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. 
So here it is in Genesis chapter 9 at the very beginning where God opens up all foods to all people. It was later on that the Jews were told they had dietary restrictions on what they could and couldn't eat. The Gentiles at that point were allowed to eat whatever. Here it is from God saying it's okay as long as it wasn't blood in there. So this isn't a change in policy from God. So when the, it's being presented to the Gentiles, uh, they are receiving this as, okay, I can understand this. The letter then is going to be delivered now to the church. Now, the other thing, the last thing that was taking place is sexual immorality. Why would that even be lumped in with these food things? And that's because there was sexual immorality that was going on and maybe creeping into the church at that time. We see it today in the form of the church accepting any lifestyle into the church. It doesn't matter if it's biblical or not, love is love, right? So if, if you love someone, it doesn't matter what sex they are, if they even know that they, they are a sex. You can just love them and then it's okay. And while we can chuckle about it, it's sad. People are deluded into thinking there's more than two sexes. There's men, there's women. God created them that way. It, you would have a very hard time finding anyone that doesn't fit one of those two categories. The only time that you'll find someone that doesn't fit one of those categories is when they divert from the Bible when they walk away from the truth and they decide what to believe. And that's really what it comes down to. People have decided on their own that this, and you know what? The church is okay with it. There are many churches out there that have now accepted that lifestyle into their church. But here we see sexual immorality is a problem and that they were supposed to abstain from sexual immorality. That means no sex outside of marriage, no man-on-man -man sex, no women-on-women -woman sex. You know, this, that's sexual immorality. So sex was meant to be between a man and a woman in the bonds of marriage. And that's it. And so... They clarified that to make sure that they fully understood this. If that was clarified there, isn't it just as important today? I think it's even more important today because of how confused the world is right now. Now that doesn't mean we should hate anyone that thinks anything else, that believes anything else, that's doing... We don't hate them. We love them. Uh, we can't condone what they're doing, but we love them. They're children of the living God if they accept him as their savior. 
they can do that. Even people that are living in sin right now. You know, like people that are abusing their spouse at home. Uh, people that are stealing from their company and robbing banks. People that have drug and alcohol addictions that are killing their own bodies. You know, they can all be forgiven. I know. I'm one of them. I've been forgiven. And so here as I present the gospel to you, it's not because... Uh, I have supernatural understanding of something that was... No, it's just because it's plain. It's simple. And that's where we see the book of Acts. And we could say, hey, this applies to us. It applied to the early church 2,000 years ago. It applies to us today. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. So... Here's the multitude that's gathered together, all of the Gentiles, even the Jews that were in the church there, they were gathered, they want to know the result. What you don't realize is that they did not take a Delta flight to Jerusalem, went and talked with the apostles, and then a day later, they stayed overnight to get some rest, and the day later they flew back because it was 300 miles. They flew back to Antioch, and now they're going to deliver. It was weeks, probably months, that they were gone on this trip. They didn't get to text them and say, Hey guys, good news. So, can you imagine what these Gentiles were going through? When Paul and Barnabas left, all they knew was that they were told by these guys from Jerusalem that they were not saved because they weren't circumcised and they weren't following the law of Moses. And so they were going to go find out. Can you imagine living during that time saying, I hope I don't die before they get back because I may not be saved they were probably concerned and I would even go as far to say that some of them may have actually gotten circumcised just so that they can be sure that their bases were covered. Remember, Paul actually had Timothy circumcised uh, you know, before he went out in the ministry with Paul. He had him circumcised so that he can show them that he was, you know, one of them. But he didn't need to be. It was just something Paul felt a burden for. And uh, Timothy was crazy, so he went along with it. Um, I mean, when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. They just heard that they were saved. And that they didn't have to do anything different. They didn't have to do anything unusual. They just had to cook their steak differently. That's all. And they were good to go then at this, part, uh, at this point. 
Now, Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there a long time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And so the good news, they delivered it and the burden had been lifted. Grace was the rule of the day. Circumcision, the law of Moses, that wasn't what people... There are Christians today that still put themselves under the bondage of the law of Moses. I have friends that won't write the name G-O-D. They put G underscore D. That's not his name. That's his title. So doing that just shows that you're being legalistic. You're not understanding who God really is. And so when people put these things like, oh, I, I only go to church on Saturday because that's the true Sabbath. You know when the true Sabbath is? Every day. Every day is the day that we're supposed to be worshiping the Lord. I'm supposed to give my life to the Lord every day and live every... But Paul says, hey, if they want to celebrate holidays and make them more important, let them go ahead and do it. If they want to live every day, that every, then let them do it. Let everyone be satisfied in their own mind. So I don't go out there trying to find people I disagree with theologically, biblically, doctrinally. I don't go and try to find them and say, oh, you, you guys are off. You know, you, you guys shouldn't be, you know, I'll teach it from here because I want you guys to know what the Bible says. But at the same time, if you want to put an underscore in, in G-O-D, it's not going to take away your salvation. And I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to tell you, oh, you shouldn't do that. You know, it's a, whatever you want to do. But pray about whatever you do. Because Whenever we do something for the Lord, we shouldn't be doing it in our own power. We should be doing it because the Holy Spirit led us to do that. Because the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us. He is the one who knows how to worship God the best. Do you know, if we don't have the words to pray, he will fill in the blank. We're told that, you know, when we don't have the words to play, he gives us utterances. And it's called tongues. It's what you do in a prayer closet when you're praying and you have no idea. And, and all of a sudden you hear, you know, from your heart, from your soul, you know, words coming out that you don't understand. That's the Holy Spirit speaking. Sometimes, for me, it's just a bunch of grunts and groans because that's just me. I just know there's something there I'm missing and the Holy Spirit wants to pray for me. 
and he does that. And, and you know, I'm grateful because my prayers are limited to my feeble mind, the things that I can think of. But the Holy Spirit, he knows what I really need. He knows what I should be praying. He knows the things that God wants to hear. And so he'll pray on my behalf if I let him. Then, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. Whoa. You see, and here is another problem that comes up because John Mark was with them when they went on their first missionary journey and he left in Pamphylia. He said, oh, I've had enough of this. You know, I'm going to go back. He was a lot younger than, than those two guys. And so he went back to Jerusalem. Barnabas and Mark, John Mark, as he was called earlier, they're cousins, as we're told in Colossians 4.10. They're, they're cousins. They're related. And so Barnabas is like, I want to bring my cousin along. I want to bring Mark along. And Paul's like, no. He left before. You know, he left the work. And, and so this goes back to reliability of the saints. You know, and when people are excited about doing things. Sometimes people get so excited, I want to do this. I want to, you know, this would be really great to be involved in and do. And you, you say, okay, let's run with it. You know, let's pray about it and then let's put it in place. And then you never hear from them again. Some of them leave the church and you never hear from them again. And it's like, wow, I guess I shouldn't have told them, okay, I, I should have said, no, you're not qualified. And, and no, but when you give someone grace to do something and, and uh, don't you expect it to be followed up? Yeah, of course. So Mark didn't do that. They brought him along on this missionary journey and Mark took off. So Paul's plans of how we were going to do things have now changed. And it's going to be Paul and Barnabas doing everything. And Mark uh, left them and abandoned them. And so Paul was still a little bit upset about that. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And so here we see another contention. We saw the first contention when the Jews came from Jerusalem and came to Antioch saying you need to be circumcised and you need to follow the law of Moses. Then there was a big contention about that. 
Then they go to Jerusalem and present this to the apostles and the elders and the disciples. And there was a contention there. There were some that were saying, no, you got to do this. And others said, no, no, you, we, they don't have to do that. And then they prayed and the Holy Spirit directed them. And then James made the decision. This is how, what we're going to do. And then they, now there's another contention uh, that happened here. By the way, I want to remind you that none of the people that caused the contention are listed here. We don't have any of the names of those people that caused trouble. We only have the names of those who were faithful in seeking out the truth and coming up with solutions who were led by the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? Because it's not like Paul, he called out uh, Philemus and, and Hymenius, whatever those two guys' names are, that nobody is able to pronounce. And those guys were called out for, for being troublemakers. But here, none of them were called out, and I'll tell you why. They were brothers and in the Lord. They were, yeah, they stirred up a little trouble because they brought some doctrine that wasn't valid. But they were brothers in the Lord and they worked it out. And so it didn't need to be exposed who those were because eventually they came in line with the Holy Spirit. And Paul and Barnabas had dissension and they divided about this. And now... You know, Paul goes with Silas, Barnabas with Mark. God took dissension and created two teams instead of one. And now you're doing twice as the work. Because now instead of one team going out, you have two that are going out. And so you're getting twice as much work. When there was dissension and persecution in Jerusalem the church fled to the outlying areas like Antioch. The church split apart and went everywhere. The word wouldn't have gone out like it did unless there was persecution. Unless there were trials there that caused the people to disseminate. And so sometimes when we have persecution, when we have trials, when we have things that cause us to do something. God can use that just as well. Sometimes when people are in the church causing trouble and they leave, we think, oh, no, we're losing people. And Chuck Smith used to like to say they're blessed subtractions. <laughs> they're going to go bless someone else. And, and they're blessed subtractions. And, and I think that that's a good way because this isn't my church. This is the Lord's church. And so as long as we are serving him, the church thrives. When we start getting focused on ourselves, the church struggles. But that doesn't mean that we go start a new denomination. It means that we go to the Holy Spirit and we work it out just like they were doing in the early church. By the way, Paul, um, he um, got back 
in fellowship with Mark. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Paul is writing and saying to Timothy, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. So there was healing in that. And I know of people, pastors who had indiscretions and failures in their walk with the Lord and repented and then were restored and put back in a place of authority where God used them mightily to reach the lost. And so I believe that it's important for us to recognize that no one is too far gone for the Lord to forgive, to heal, and to restore in ministry. So, a couple of things we can take away from the teaching today. Differences of opinion do not prevent the work of God from continuing. You can still be fully in God's will and able to do what he wants you to do, even if you don't agree with someone else. And the second thing is we should be careful who we yoke ourselves to. You see, those believers in Antioch could have heard the guys coming from Jerusalem and said, okay, well, I guess we got to get circumcised and I guess we have to go ahead and start following, you know, the law. Of, and that wasn't true. So we don't just agree with someone because they tell us something and they appear to be knowledgeable. I'm going to include myself in that. If I tell you something that is, just sounds a little off, um, please check it against scripture. Everything, if it sounds a little off and scripture proves that it's off, then I'm wrong. And please tell me. But if I'm telling you something from scripture and you don't like what I'm telling you, please come and tell me. And then I'll tell you. This, I'm just, you know, and we'll study it together. And we'll go through the scripture together. Because I'm not the final authority. He is. And I want everyone to trust him, not me. But I'm going to do my best to stay true to teaching what scripture tells us. So finally, when we fill ourselves with the word of God, uh, we'll find it easier to identify false doctrine. When we know what the scriptures say, and someone tells us something that isn't true, the hair on the back of our neck will stand up and... No, that, that's something that happens to me, but it's personal. And somehow the Holy Spirit will speak to you. But you need to know the word first. You need to have that knowledge of the scripture. So today's message was good news for the Gentiles in Antioch, but it's still good news for us today because we know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his grace is enough to get us through everything that we're going through today. Amen? Amen.